0: And now, it's Health Naturally, with herbalist and natural therapist, Dennis Stewart.
1: Dennis Stewart. Now, during the year, we've spoken about lots of medicinal herbs, and mm. some of them, like golden seal and echinacea, they're, they're all good names, they aren't are. they? And they, they, are. they sort of lead the imagination to think what they might be. But a large percentage, you say, of medicinal herbs are in fact weeds or grasses.
0: Jane, you'd be surprised how many of them are, and I'm going to tantalise and perhaps entertain. The listeners this morning by pointing out what is in their backyard and how those things in their backyard can be used.
1: Emma from Warners Bay. Emma, you've got a question about rosacea. Yes. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Hi. Emma. Touching base. I've been diagnosed yes. with rosacea and yes. I'm taking
2: yes. doxycycline at yes. the moment. Yes, yes. Um, I'm on three. Grams, I think it is of evening primrose oil. Yes, and some fish oil tablets. But okay. I'm
0: just wondering if there is anything you've come across that might help. Okay, uh, Emma, I'll ask you a few questions. Oh, well, first of all, I'll explain to the listeners what we're talking about. Rosacea is a, a a condition, an inflammatory condition that can sometimes also be accompanied by infection, which frequently occurs on the cheeks and the uh, and the nose um particularly seen in um, in more mature people uh, redness inflammation pustular activity are generally speaking uh, the most common <clears throat> uh, symptoms uh, for that condition <clears throat> now uh, um the your doc- what your doctor's doing is a standard and and sometimes very very successful treatment you obviously have must have some pustular activity do you
2: I did. It was only um, minor, yes. but um, so mm-hmm. I think we kind of got
0: it at the starting phase. That's I guess. good. So this is a, an early condition for you, is it? Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, you've not, uh, um, uh, Emma. Uh, can I ask you a personal question? Um, are you? Going through the menopause or have you been through the no. menopause? No. Okay.
2: No,
0: mid-40s. Oh, okay, I'm a young lady. dear oh me.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: to be in the 40s. Uh, look, there are a couple of things that I frequently recommend, um, particularly if your good doctor is getting the, uh, how can I call it, the acute activity under control. What I would be suggesting is that to deal with the uh, level of infection, you should contemplate... Uh, going on to one or more of the following herbs. These herbs are herbs that I frequently mention and are used for dealing with recurring mild infections, particularly of the skin. Okay. Herbs like Echinacea, and Golden Seal and Calendula. Now, they are three herbs that I frequently use and are the backbone of a, a herbal extract approach for rosacea that's characterised... Uh, by infection or pustular activity, in a com- in a combination uh, from a, um, a compounding pharmacist who could put those into liquid form, uh, that would be a useful approach to start with, albeit albeit if the condition gives way to just uh, a lot of redness, uh, inflammatory activity, but devoid of pustular activity. Uh, there is an excellent homeopathic remedy uh, that works well for that stage, not so much for infection, but for dealing with the redness, sometimes yeah. the embarrassing redness. Now, that is a homeopathic remedy known as sanguinaria. It's abbreviated S-A-N-G for sanguinaria. The, uh, the um, name of the substance is bloodroot. So sanguinaria is the botanical name for the herb bloodroot, but in a homeopathic potency, which means in a very dilute preparation, usually about what's called six C. Write that beside it, Sanguinaria six C. Usually available from um, herbalists or homeopaths, some pharmacists, Always stocked in my premise, of course, uh, in little pillules or indeed in drops. That has given outstanding results in the more settled but inflamed, reddened state of that condition. So let me go over it for you. Uh, When your doctor has finished the prescription for the antibiotic, try the combination, one or more of those herbs in combination, um, Mm -hmm. and when that um, has shown control of any assertion of the infection, work with sanguinaria, 6C in tablet form or what we call pillule form or drop form. Let me just say again, if you can't get any of those from your own pharmacy or health food store, they're always available from my rooms in New Lambton and I say that not just to push my practice, but sometimes people will ring up and say, you mentioned these things but we go to our pharmacies and health food stores and we can't get them. Well, Now, the other thing is this there is a cream known as the GA cream Now, that is a preparation that I had a lot to do in developing. It was a cream that was used particularly in Britain by British dermatologists, probably prior to uh, the uh, development of um, steroid or cortisone preparations for skin conditions. Now, Mm -hmm. the GA cream is based on an extract of licorice, uh, albeit it is a white cream, the extract of licorice, is known as glycerizon, and that's what GA stands for, glycorrhizan or acid. That substance has a well-documented history of dealing with inflammatory conditions, and in the aqueous zinc cream base that it comes in, used topically, my receptionist at Woronga many years ago when I was in practice there, controlled her rosacea with the application of the GA cream. So okay. there are some options for you. If you right. have difficulty, you can always ring me at, at my rooms, but always seek those products first from your health food store or your pharmacy. But I come yes. back to the point, if you can't, you know where to go. Sure.
2: Just one question with yes. that. Am I, why, Is it not something I can treat while I'm on the doxycycline with... Well, I think,
0: uh, look, that would not clash, but my point is that if you're on the doxycycline, to be fair to your good GP, um, Mm -hmm. he would want some um, clarification as to how his treatment is going. And if you were to bring in other things, it might confuse the the management objective. I would work with your GP, um, tell him um, what I have said and what you'd like to try, most sure. GPs would come on site if they saw that there was reason behind what you were doing, and most yeah. GPs don't like um, having patients on antibiotics indefinitely. Correct, sure.
2: Okay, and with the GA cream, yes. that's available from a pharmacist as well? Well,
0: always try your pharmacy. If yeah. not, you could always get it from my rooms at New Lambton.
2: Sure. and then would I do that? Sorry, a lot of questions. Would I do that with the cream as well as the
0: six C preparation? Yeah, look, the, the the two of those, the two of those, can be an outstanding uh, treatment, and that Absolutely. is based on many years seeing many patients retreat to that yeah. and say, "Look, this is as good as what I was getting when I was on the antibiotics."
1: Dennis, weeds, grasses, mm-hmm. things in our mm-hmm. backyards. Mm-hmm.
0: Look. Jane, on this program in the past, I would have mentioned a book entitled How to Enjoy Your Weeds (laughs) by that delightful English lady who would have gone uh, many years ago, Audrey Hatfield. Uh, I love some of these eccentric English uh, women who have done so much for herbalism and who have written so many quaint books justifying the use of the herbs of the field and the grasses that are in our backyard. Audrey Hatfield was one of them. And one of my listeners recently um, contacted me and said that she'd been able to source that book. Uh, I think it was from Amazon. So it is available, and I say before I start talking about these things individually, to listeners who are fascinated with the potential of some of these despised substances that are always being put down and always sought to be got rid of um, the, the ability of some of these things around our backyards and in our fields to work medicinally has been demonstrated over many, many centuries these things are still there and they still work and I thought as the year is coming to an end I might just mention a couple of them and how important they are these backyard weeds and grasses first of all I want to talk about coochgrass. Cooch? Uh, coochgrass. Now, what I mean, people throw their head back in horror. Where does grass fit into this? Uh, uh, Dennis talks about medicinal herbs, and yes, the, the echinaceas, the, the golden seals, the, the wild indigo, they have all exotic names which uh, convey some wonderful potential. Well, some of the lesser um, auspicious, auspicious named herbs... Are just as good, and the couch grass, yes, the couch grass, Agropyron repens. Now, if I'd have started off by talking about a herb known as Agropyron repens, uh, people would have said, "Oh, wow, this is going to be another exotic. It's got to be with a name like that." Well, every herb has a common name, i.e., couch grass, and every herb on the planet has a Latin or a botanical name. In the case of couch grass. It's agri and Reapins. Now, it's interesting, but it's true. Modern Western herbalists, including myself, would use coochgrass so frequently that it is worthwhile mentioning that for what we call urinary tract conditions... Now, I don't like to be too medical in my terminology, but urinary tract conditions are those conditions that afflict the bladder and the, and the urinary tubules, particularly the urethra, where things like cystitis, urethritis, irritable bladder conditions, many, many people will experience one or more of these irritable and sometimes infected states of the urinary tract. And listeners would have heard me talk during the year about some of the favourite remedies that are used by Western herbalists, herbs like buku from South Africa, Herbs like bearberry, commonly known as uv Um, these herbs are still the backbone of uh, infection treatment. But coots grass conveyed as a herbal decoction. Now, uh, people will say, well, what does Dennis mean by a herbal decoction?
1: I'm saying that too. Okay, <laughs> very, very straightforward.
0: Uh, a herbal decoction is where you take the dried herb and boil it up usually in a non specific amount of water, boil it down to a particular concentrated volume, then use that decoction, that water based extract, strained from the from the herb, where you use that to drink it across the day, two to three times daily, to get the medicinal effects of the substance. Now a decoction is a boiled preparation where you take the dried herb, i.e. in this case Uh, the root of cooch grass. Let me emphasize here, we're talking about the rhizome of cooch grass. It is is taken today, uh, processed and marketed around the world. We purchase it in bulk bulk quantities. Um, It comes as a dried rhizome, usually cut, and that rhizome then, usually in a teaspoonful of the rhizome, put in a pot or a container boiled with a non-specific amount of water and then taken across the day, it is still to this day one of the most soothing, remarkably soothing remedies in a water-based form for dealing with what Europeans call irritable bladder conditions. That is frequently where you have a functional condition not necessarily characterized by infection, but where irritability, soreness... Um, burning symptoms all those things that particularly many many women experience the ongoing use as a preventative substance not only preventative but also when an acute infection or when a condition is asserting itself a decoction of couch grass i know it sounds crazy a decoction of couch grass taken regularly at a preventative basis can ease and soothe And lessen indeed some of the episodes or the ongoing frequency of irritations of the bladder and the urinary tract. Now, the interesting thing is, again, in European herbalism, uh, this would be uh, considered to represent what is called irrigation therapy. Now, that's interesting, but it conveys the idea that some herbs are best presented in their simple water-based form where, in a sense, the water-based preparation has an irrigating effect, in inverted cobbers on the whole of the urinary system. I wanted to mention today, late in the year, because we get many listeners who are troubled by chronic urinary tract infections. And I say again, I say again, I think that the herbal medicine approach to managing particularly chronic urinary tract infections ...is still one of the underestimated areas of benefit in treating that condition. The interesting thing is that everything that I've mentioned so far today... ...with reference to the urinary tract... ...the South African herb buku... Uh, ...the American herb bearberry, also known as ursi, ...famous in the literature, famous in the various editions... ...of the British Pharmaceutical Codex for treating actual infections... That in conjunction with couch grass and wait for it, couch grass under its botanical name occurs in the British Pharmaceutical Codex and has been popularly used in a previous pre war era for doing exactly what I'm talking about now irrigating the urinary system and addressing a lot of irritation, burning and stinging conditions. It should only be used, in my opinion, to get its best results in that form as a decoction. The downside to it is that when I um, give a patient the uh, the couch grass as a dried cut form, I've got to give them a large plastic bag of it because you have to put about or two teaspoonfuls of it into a container to boil it up and so they stagger out of my rooms I'm exaggerating but they go out of my rooms not with a neat little bottle of medicine but they stagger out with a bag of couch grass and I love this idea where they become the manufacturer and use the crude dried herb because I'm not suggesting by the way that people go and dig up their lawn for the (laughs) roots of couch grass not at all it's not the most hygienic way of using the herb but uh, purchasing the herb in a crude form and i say this to many listeners who battle with the irritation of the urinary tract um, using the decoction of couch grass it needs to be tried we've used it in our household i have many patients who purchase that and who swear by the benefits of using that of course many of the gps would raise their eyebrows when their patients tell them well look I'm not using this or that. I'm just taking couch grass. Uh, the, the, many of the GPs would write a script for a psychotic medication. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm joking. But, look, it does work well. So, listeners, there's a good example of a backyard grass popularly used, still used, by Western herbal medicine practitioners, well-defined, certainly in the British Herbal Pharmacopeia of 83 and in the various editions of the British Pharmaceutical Codex. If you're suffering that, consider ongoing use of the decoction of grass.
1: Peter, you've got a bit of a problem with insomnia. Oh, yes. Uh, hi, Dennis. Hello,
3: um, Peter. You've done wonders with me over the last few years oh, on ROV. Oh, that's and, good. Uh, and uh, uh, now, for the first time in my life, mm. after 82 years, I, I, I got a bit of insomnia this week. Oh, dear, gee, gee. I... I, I I'm not desperate about it, but yes. uh, I do have a bad neck, which I'm getting yes. extended to on Monday. So yes. that may be causing a bit. But I also uh, take before going to bed a, uh, a sleepy time American uh, herb.
0: Yes. A
3: mixture of herbs plus yeah. a chamomile. Yes. And that usually knocks me out. Yes. And I wake up at 4 o'clock, the yes. usual mid-evening yes. uh, show.
0: Yes.
3: And I go back and I wake up three hours later. So it's not bad. Lately, uh, this happened on Monday night, I got my first four hours, woke up, couldn't get back to sleep. Anyway, I tried everything, and I, nice. I even rubbing the neck and all that sort of stuff. Then the next night, uh, strangely, I handled the next day without any problems. There was no, you know, sleepiness or... Yes. Sleepiness apart. Yes. Next day, I got about two and a half hours in. On Wednesday night, I got down two hours. And, and I, I got on very, very well with my chemist. Yes. And uh, yeah, I said to him... Look, I need something, and and uh, to be quite honest, I tried. Uh, he got a chemistone, a sleeping uh, pill. Yes. So he said, just take a quarter of one of those, which I did last night. Well, worked wonders, but I don't want to. don't want to do that. Yes. So I need. What else can I have, herbally okay. Okay. To help me.
0: Okay. Well, look. To start with, it may be that the the insomnia that you're experiencing is a transitory thing it may be related um, to a lot of what's going on you might be worried or stressed about forthcoming procedures you're going to have on your neck etc so perhaps it's not something you should uh, panic about most of us in life including myself will experience periods of, of time when insomnia asserts itself it can be quite um, awesome and a bit overwhelming and a bit debilitating but uh, and to that extent uh, what your pharmacist has given you uh, may not be a problem if uh, it, it tides you over uh, and uh, your insomnia then takes up uh, it will have achieved its objective and i applaud your pharmacist for his skill in uh, developing a product and advising you wisely on how to use it but but um the 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 herb that I have found most useful even in my own experience where I uh, went through a particular period of time in my life where my wife was having a major uh, surgical procedure done and uh, uh, I had uh, great difficulty in um, in sleeping at night um, I found that using the herb Kava K-A-V-A was very, very successful and Kava is not something that Uh, is without evidence. Uh, carver, as you probably know, is popularly used in the South Pacific. And um, I've rarely seen South Pacific Islanders who have difficulty... Uh, falling asleep this may have something to do with their regular use (laughs) oh they're fantastic (laughs) i I could tell you a story about going back to uh, to uh, auckland airport one night being driven by an islander at four o'clock in the morning who gave me the whole history of the success of the the South Pacific Islanders in rugby, and a lot of it goes down to the fact, by the way, as he told me that they love their yams. But anyway, I won't talk about that. But uh, kava uh, is also documented in in the uh, in the in the medical literature. It has three applications, depending on what level of dosage you're using. It's a useful mild anti anxiety agent. It also has some useful mild antidepressional characteristics but I've recommended it with great success to many patients over the years from my New Lampen Clinic as a tablet to be taken, and it is legal, and it can be procured uh, from a pharmacy or a practitioner. Um, uh, and a couple of... T- well, start off with one tablet of Carver before you go to bed, say, say an hour before you get into bed. What it will do, it has the effect of, of winding you down it, it doesn't bomb you out, so to speak, but it winds you down and relaxes you to the point where a sleep comes on easily and sleep tends to last. Although, to be fair, in chronic cases of insomnia, when people do wake up, I've suggested they try another Carver tablet to get them back to sleep and that has also proven to be very successful. So I would suggest that if you haven't used your Kava, Go back to your pharmacist. He would, I'm sure, have it as a proprietary product on his shelf. Take it as I have said, but also I'm going to say something uh, that is might sound very quaint, a little bit left field, uh, but again, is very earthy and a lot has been written on it, again, with credible medical support. That is a serious use of honey before going to bed can help induce sleep now that has been well known but in modern books on the medicinal use of honey with medical credibility it is recommended that a tablespoonful now let me emphasize a tablespoonful of pure unheated honey should be taken before bed and that in conjunction with the carver, in my opinion should help do the trick for you
3: Right, or would I still stick them on two uh, herbal uh, okay uh, confusion
0: well, bags? Well, it, it put it this way: it would not clash with them. But right. my my uh, thinking is that Carver, on its own, in conjunction with the honey, uh, may in fact give you a good result, and not required uh, to be augmented by other oh. substances. Either way, but uh, if you're not using Carver, you may well be missing out. On a good way of getting a good night's sleep. Oh,
3: that's wonderful. Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Peter.
1: And thanks for your call, Peter. Wow. Um, I've learnt something there, too, Dennis. Oh, did sounds well, great. I like Jane, how
0: you Jane, you should do know like everything by now. I should. You should not. know everything by now.
1: <laughs> well, we are speaking about weeds and grasses, we but we've talked about grass. Let's talk about a weed. Well,
0: I'll talk about a weed. I remember it very well because I was frequently caned at school as a result of, uh, how can I call it, utilising this herb in a vicious way. <laughs> uh, in, in, oh, in, yeah. <laughs> in, in our backyards or on our footpaths, we will presently see uh, growing a herb known as lamb's tongue or also known more technically as ribwort or more technically still, Plantago lanceolata. And people will say, what is he talking about? Listeners will know what I'm talking about. Look for a, a green rosette of herbs uh, that has, or the leaf is in fact like a long lamb's tongue. And more importantly, perhaps, the herb then develops a long stem and at the end of the stem there is a little spike about an inch long which contains very, very small seeds. Now, when I went to school, it was very popular to collect the stem of ribwort or lamb's tongue and uh, use it uh, in the class to make a, 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 how can you call it, a weapon out of it. We would take the stem of the ribwort and we would place the the uh, how can I call it the little head, the little spike of seeds. We'd place that on the stem of the ribwort like a bow and arrow. <laughs> and then, if you didn't like the person sitting in front of you, you'd, you'd flick you'd flick this little bullet-shaped seed from the, from the lamb's tongue. It would hit the back of his head. And then he would usually scream or put up his hand and say, "Sir, Stuart just hit me in the back of the head." Well, that led to so many, so many occasions when Stuart, in sixth class at Adamstown <laughs> Primary School, will be called would be called out by by a great a great man. I won't mention his name, who I owe, owe a lot to, but he was the best caner at a time when the school teachers were permitted to do that. Now, forgetting about my use. Or misuse of this herb,
1: and you must have actually been a pretty good shot.
0: Oh well, it's only about two, or, two or three feet away. Yeah,
1: so you didn't go across the room. <laughs> oh no,
0: he'd be sitting there with his
1: head, yes. and I'd
0: go flick. Particularly if you didn't like the guy.
1: That sounds a bit like a girls' school and pulling plats. Well, <laughs> it's
0: getting similar to it, but only boys could do this. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. And there would right. be
0: some listeners out there, some listeners out there who, um, who would. Um, as as boys, particularly, remember what we used to do with the stem of lamb's tongue or ribwort, making a, a, a how can you call it a bow and arrow out of it, and firing the seed at the back of their worst enemy in the school class classroom. But getting back to the medicinal use of this herb, this herb's a big herb. Um, the leaf of the herb, uh, when harvested, and it's grown by the way commercially in Europe. People might think this is crazy. Many things that I talk about sound crazy, but in other parts of the world, they're cash crops. Plantain lanceolata, or ribwort, is grown as a cash crop in many parts of Europe, Eastern and Western Europe, where the leaf is extracted, that is, the dried leaf is taken, extracted and converted into a substance which forms one of the most impressive, one of the most impressive Uh, chronic remedies for chronic respiratory coughs, many conditions not so much perhaps these days but in older days or a long time ago, well not so long ago, when a lot of men particularly in Europe and even in this country would work underground or when the vicious winters would precipitate aggravation of respiratory conditions, in that context medications based on ribwort or lamb's tongue as we're calling it would be actually prescribed by pharmacists and also prescribed by their doctor as a constituent of a cough medication. Now we still use ribwort, uh, plantain, lanceolata, in Western herbal medicine. Not many herbalists use it, which is great pity. But again over the years, and I mentioned this Uh, as the season's coming to an end, over the years I've mentioned the most impressive text, in my opinion, uh, that Western medical practitioners and herbalists should access. And that's the text by the great German medical practitioner and herbalist, Dr. Rudolf Weiss. His work entitled Herbal Medicine, I say it and I say it again, is a must for any serious prescriber of herbal medicine... And in that text, which I only refresh myself by reading again this morning, is one of the best monographs you will find on the traditional European Western herbal medicine way of using the leaves of this wayside herb, ribwort, plantago lanceolata, as a remarkable remedy for chronic cough conditions accompanying chronic bronchitis, emphysema conditions, irritable cough conditions. A cough is sometimes very difficult to treat medically and also naturopathically and herbally. But interestingly, within the realm of nature, within uh, the weeds of the field, the herbs of the field, are still some of the best remedies to treat coughs. The the successful treatment of a cough, in my opinion, is an art form. Mm. And there are many people who will only get benefit by accessing the natural medications based on the herbs, some of them maybe including this one that got me into so much trouble, <laughs> ribwort or lamb's tongue, as we call it.
1: Little did you know then what your connection with it would be later well, on. Well, there you go. You, now, we were talking point. about couch grass <laughs> a little earlier and Steve rang in to say that his father used to make wine from Koochgrass grass and well, it was award-winning and I... I presume that yeah. would also be from the rhizome. The, from it the, would. The it root. would.
0: See, that is interesting because, again, um, a lot of these things that we talk about, uh, the herbs like whorehound, for instance, is another good example. It also became the, the ingredient of a whorehound beer, mm-hmm. which I think is still made in this country. I think it was a company in Bundaberg used to make whorehound beer. So this doesn't surprise me when this gentleman tells me about his father, going back to the 70s, used the rhizome of kudzu grass as the basis of a wine. I would very much like uh, the recipe for that. If that gentleman, uh, Steve uh, from Charlestown, has the recipe or can get the recipe, I would very much value it. If you could just email it to, uh, to NUR, they would pass it on to me. And then what I would do, I'd get all the, uh, the um, wine producers in the Hunter Valley Get them together at a conference and say, look, fellas, here's a breakthrough. This will put the Hunter Valley in an unparalleled competitive place. So,
1: so don't pull up the cooch grass between the vines. No, <laughs> use, no, it. use it. Or it. Well, do pull it up. But well, now,
0: that's, that brings me to the point, uh, Jane. All around the Hunter Valley, there are uh, groves now of olive trees. and yes. oh, That is great. I'm a great supporter, as you know, of the Hunter Valley. I live there, for goodness sake. Um, but what disappoints me is that as yet, I'm not aware, I could be wrong, I'm not aware of any of the growers of, um, uh, of olives utilising the leaves of their olive trees.
1: And they're usable too.
0: They're usable too. And in, in our health food stores, we find there's an olive leaf extract, which has been there for ages. But I've not seen one, not yet, this could provoke it. I've not seen one yet claiming to be based on the leaves of olive trees grown in the best part of the world, yep. not far <laughs> from my property in the Hunter Valley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and what happens with the, um, with with the, um, this made, things made? How can you use the olive leaves? Oh, well,
0: oli- olive leaves would be harvested. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they would, and many growers of olive trees up there do cut the tops off their uh, their trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the olive leaf would be harvested. It would be dried. Yes. It would be hammer milled. That is reduced to an appropriate powder size. Then it would be soaked in what's called a various blend of ethanol, ethanol and water, mm-hmm. which is a standard solvent for most herbal extraction. It mm-hmm. would be soaked in that, and then concentrated down to form uh, a very brownish-coloured, very bitter fluid extract. And then that would uh, be bottled and placed with a dosage on it. You would have to go through the Therapeutic Goods Administration, but if it's no problem, it's already happening. Mm So the technology is simple. I'd like to see someone in, in the Hunter Valley take up my challenge today i know many of them listen to the program (laughs) don't waste your leaves of the olive tree there's a market there for an olive leaf extract boasting of having been built or based
1: on the Hunter Valley. Yes, okay. And if it's bitter, it's got to be good for a season. It has it? indeed. It
0: has <laughs> indeed. It has <laughs> indeed.
1: So that brings us to the end of Health Naturally today. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. It's
0: been a bit of a fun programme. It has good.
1: been a fun programme. And we might go and look at our backyards now with just a little more interest. Health Naturally, will be back next Friday on to a new RFM.